We are just days away from the start of the Sacramento Kings season, which means it's time for our annual mild, hot, and spicy predictions podcast with Frankie Cardicelli and Chris Watkins right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And if you've been with me over the last handful of seasons, you know that I like to kick off the season with a fun little mild, hot, and spicy predictions for the upcoming season podcast. And I'm joined by two of my closest friends uh, in this industry, uh, certainly in the Sacramento uh, Kings and just Sacramento sports media scene, period. Frankie Cardicelli and Chris Watkins uh, from Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio, uh, two longtime friends of mine now. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that despite their schedules, they're just getting busier and busier. It's been really fun to, to, to grow with them in this industry over the last handful of years um, that we've known each other to see Chris thriving as a radio host at, at Sacktown sports, to see Frankie thriving as a, a Sacramento Kings insider. Um, it's just really cool to watch and really cool to be a part of. And I'm blessed to know them, blessed to be able to work with them and blessed to have them take some time to come here on locked on Kings to keep doing these podcasts with me. So if you're not uh, fully sure of how it works. Basically, we each present a mild or just kind of standard prediction for this upcoming season, a hot, which is maybe like a, a, a little bit out there prediction for the season, and then a spicy, which is way out there prediction. And, and for example, last year, my spicy prediction was that Mike Brown would win coach of the year. And we had to discuss what would have to happen for, for that to be the case. Well, of course, lo and behold, Mike Brown actually won coach of the year. So these spicy predictions aren't impossible. They're maybe unlikely, but they're not impossible. Uh, so it's always a pleasure to have Chris and Frankie on to join me for these, uh, these podcasts. And we want you to share your mild, hot and spicy predictions for the Sacramento Kings season. So feel free to send those to me on Twitter at Matt George Sack, email me Matt George sports at gmail.com or leave your predictions in the YouTube comment section down below. But for now, please enjoy these predictions with Frankie and Chris. It's an annual tradition before the season starts that I know these two look forward to more than anything else in the world. Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins from Sacktown Sports 1140 joining me right before the season starts for another edition of Mild, Hot, and Spicy Predictions for this upcoming season. Gentlemen, I know you've had this date circled on your calendar for a long time. It's a pleasure to have you back on. I'm happy to provide you with a wonderful place for you to get these takes off your chest, especially Frankie, because Frankie always brings the heat with all of his takes. Uh, that's really funny, Matt. Thank you for having us. And uh, I'm wondering, is this like, is it, this is a poll on Taco Bell, right? This is the, mm-hmm. this is what, that's definitely what this is, right? Like, the, no, that was my Chris, understanding. Chris was trying so hard to get it sponsored by Taco Bell last year. And by <laughs> trying so hard, he, he referenced it one time and then we never discussed it again. Mm-hmm. So once again, we, uh, we, we failed this year in, in getting the Taco Bell sponsorship, but we'll, we'll keep working Always on it because we're going to, we're going to do this mm-hmm. for the next decade together, right, guys? Yes, I got you under forever. So. Decades. Decades. Well, as let's as, kick. As long as, I'm, as long as I'm alive, Matt, I will do this. There you before. go. There you go. Lifetime contract with Frankie Cardicelli. But let's let's tip things off with uh, our, our mild takes. And Frankie, this is your category. So why don't you uh, why don't oh you start God. us out with it? I, I don't remember. What, what did I say last year? Do you have do we even know what I, I said last year? I, can't I don't remember. know, but I remember your spicy take being on the level of Chris and Mize mild last year. That's all <laughs> like, oh, the Kings, the Kings are going to win like 39 games or something it was like my, my <laughs> we, mild. We were calling you catch up by the end of the podcast. That's yeah, all I remember. Last you time. are going to, you are going to think this is mild. You're going to think this is mild, but I feel like this is something that I expect. And I feel like we all should expect, and we've seen it so far. We saw it in Golden State the other night. My mild take, again, you're going to hate it probably. Keegan Murray is going to be the number two option on the Sacramento Kings this year. I think he's going to be 
Demonis Sabonis is going to be more of a facilitator, I think. I don't think we're going to see Demonis have those 20 points. I think we'll see his scoring kind of decrease. Assist numbers stay the same or increase. Rebounds stay the same. Uh, but I think Keegan Murray, uh, and also that means Kevin Herter, or we'll see what happens with the shooting guard spot. Obviously, Harrison Barnes has kind of moved into a backup, not backup, but kind of moved into the background in that starting five. I think Keegan Murray is going to be the guy. I, I'm, I'm expecting over 15.5 points per game for Keegan Murray this year. See, I think that's a good strong start, Frankie. Chris, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that's a great prediction because, as I told you a couple minutes ago before we started recording, I have multiple written down for each one of these levels. And the first thing I have written down is Keegan Murray will be the second highest scorer on the team. So I think that's a fantastic, uh, can't get any better than that mild. It's like we work together. Dude, it's (laughs) it's really incredible. You both are on the same wavelength. Well, like to, to build off that a little bit, one of the like, why I feel like you're onto something, you're both onto something there is like thinking back to the Golden State Warriors game on Sunday, the fact that he went three of nine from three point range and still finished with what, like 24, 25 points, something along mm-hmm. those lines. I think it was 24 that he ended with last season. He goes three of nine from three point range. It's a 13, point 15. Game. Yeah, it's a nine pointer, <laughs> 13, 15 point performance maximum. So he's shown his ability to show that that mid range game too. So uh, I, I just, he's quickly turning into a well-rounded player and I'm excited to see it carry over to the regular season. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Completely yeah, agree. It, it seems ahead, like that's going to be the case. I mean, especially, you know, you're, you're talking about that, that game in golden state the other day or in San Francisco the other day. Um, I hate it when I do that. I do the same thing. I cannot stand it. It drives me crazy. But I mean, you, you saw like an array of everything. Like he, he's putting the ball on the floor. He's dunking on people. The way he's attacking the rim is different. It's just all signs are pointing towards and, and you compound that all with the talk that we were hearing after the California Classic and the lead up to this season. It just seems like the entire team, it's not even ex- like it. it's, oh, we're hopeful for it's no, Keegan is going to be a major factor for this team this year, and he's going to look completely different. All right, Chris, hit us with your mild take. All right, I've got two to pick from here. Um, let's see. I'll go with I'll go with the player oriented one. I'm going to go with uh, Davion Mitchell. Uh, this is also building on from from what we've seen in this preseason. Davion Mitchell is going to shoot 36 percent from three this upcoming season. Uh, Davion, obviously his shot has been a, a big talking point throughout his career. Um, and, and also with De'Aaron as well, just trying to get him not necessarily, he doesn't need to be a 40% shooter. One of the best in the NBA. We just need like an NBA average level three point uh, shooting from those two guys. And, and Davion talked about it. We, we heard him on the Deuce and Mo podcast this summer, talk about how even he would acknowledge that he thinks that if he were able to knock down shots, he would have been on the floor for game six and seven. And it's going to be big throughout. It's not just this year, but for Davion's entire career, his ability to knock down shots is what's going to uh, really determine how good of a player he's going to be in this league, because we know his defense is is at an elite level, but if coaches can't trust him to stay on the floor, we saw the other day in Golden State, De'Aaron passes him that that wide open shot in the corner. I like that he's taking it. I, I like that he's on the floor in that situation, especially after hitting four threes in that game. But those are the shots that we're going to need him to knock down. We saw him knock it down in game two of the playoffs last year. Really big shot, but Davion's got to stay uh, above that Mendoza 35%, uh, 36% from three line if he's going to want to play 25-plus minutes a game or close a lot of nights. Yeah, that corner three is quickly becoming his go-to shot. It's like he's, yeah. he's he really likes that spot on the floor. And I, I turned to Frankie and Brendan last night who were sitting next to me, and I turned to him, and I remember at one point when after Davion hit his first or second three, and I turned to him and said, I hope we're not being tricked here. Because his jumper looks so good in preseason. You just have that fear that the regular season is going to start and he's taking the same shots in rhythm with confidence and they're just rimming out because it feels like he's nothing but net right now. And it's very welcome sight to see, but hopefully that can stay consistent over the course of the year. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely buying. I'm, I'm buying that too. I, I think that it's not a fluke. I don't think it's a preseason mirage. I think that the work he's put in and who he was putting the work in with is very important. And uh, even like at the end of the playoffs last year, there was a moment. I mean, he, he did have his moments last year. Again, he did go from, I guess it's progress, 31% to 32%. That's, you know, that's whether you, that's progress by definition, but maybe so. um, he, had a, he had a big corner three last year. I think in game two, that kind of sealed the deal. Yep. And 
that that's really going to be something from, to watch for me as well. Just can he knock down those shots, especially playing with, alongside De'Aaron Fox, if they do share the court. Um, but I, I trust in Steph Curry and especially his shooting coach. And especially when you see what he did the other night to the Kings in a preseason game. Um, but I like that, Chris. I like, I like Davion going over 35% to three. Yeah, Malik said last night the big difference that he noticed too was the confidence that Davion Mitchell has in the shot now too. He no just, hesitation. Yeah, he just feels like it's going in versus the start of last season. It looked like he was thinking about how to fit into the Kings offense and not just playing, uh, and that that kind of held him back a little bit. Well, my mild take has to do with uh, the, the team at home. We know the Sacramento home court advantage. We know the NBA wants to showcase that home court advantage with the national uh, TV game. So I, my mild take is that the Sacramento Kings are going to have a top five home record in the NBA this season. I think they're, I mean, to get to where they want to go, they have to be near unbeatable at home. Uh, initially I, I wrote top three, but that felt a little more hot than it felt mild. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with top five. Uh, but I think the Kings are going to be a really, really dangerous team at home this year. I like yeah. it. I mean, I have that as one of my, one of my, hot takes it's it's uh i have the kings will be 10 games over 500 at home so i'm right there with you i think that i mean when when we factor in the fact that we know golden one center is one of the best home court advantages regardless of record um it's it just doesn't last year's record doesn't make any sense it feels like with this team Mm -hmm. um you know being being a good team this year hopefully uh, and, and the crowd, knowing what we know about that crowd, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to take care of home court, unlike they did last year. That's one of the weirdest wrinkles to last year, I think, too, the fact that they were so good on the road, 25 and 16. That's, I think, one win short of a Sacramento-era record. And the fact that they only were five games over at home is honestly, it's incredible to me. Because it, it felt like they were such a good team. It's just they weren't. They were. They were but that also speaks to how the Kings got to where they were because they were able to take care of business on the road. But imagine they were able to pull out some of those close games at home and some of the ones where you kind of were thinking, wow, they really blew that one. I think mostly at the end of the year, they really had a, a rough stretch and in, in closing out games and um, sealing that, that, that playoff bird. I think that's something to keep an eye on too, but um, I, I have no doubt that they'll be better at home this year. Health, yeah. you know, pending health, of course. They had their worst losses of the season at home. The the Washington loss. There was another loss in there at home that was really really bad. Uh, or oh, the um, Charlotte loss. San Antonio. Uh, they also San Antonio late in the year at home. Yeah, just some very bad. weird random bad losses in their own building. And and Mike Brown didn't blame the Sacramento crowd, but indirectly he it was kind of like it's it's Kings fans fault from the sense that they, they brought so much energy that the team relied on the fan energy more than their own energy. Fans were too good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fans were too good almost. So he's yeah. challenging his players this year uh, to be a little bit better on that end. All right. Can I give my extra mild take or should absolutely. I just give it all at the end? Give all my extras at the end. Unload it, brother. Unload it. It is with the extra mild. All right. My extra mild is uh, Jordy Fernandez and Jay Triano will both be gone after this season. And uh, Luke Laux and Doug Christie will step into place. Ooh, I think for sure, Jordy, 100%. Jay yeah. is a shout, though. The Triano thing was more in the sense of the King. He's their King's offensive coordinator. And if the Kings in back-to-back seasons have one of, if not the best offense in the NBA, I just have a tough time imagining that no one's going to call Jay Triano's phone. I know he's a little bit older and, you know, he's, he's if you want to use the term a retread coach in the NBA, but I mean, it, it'd be hard to not look at the fact that the Kings uh, have one of, if not the best offense in the NBA, and he's been the orchestrator of it. Yeah. Deep coaching staff, very deep coaching staff. I don't know if we'll deep. see it quite at, I mean, deep. arguably the deepest in the NBA. I mean, especially now at Terry Stotts, you know, that, that story in Milwaukee, he took off. Very interesting by the way, but uh, no, I, 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 I went into the season fully expecting that this is the last season that the Kings are going to have Jordy, which is a bummer, mm-hmm. but he he's been on the short list of several jobs and it seems like he is next. And that's just not even like Sacramento or, or, or our local media guys talking about it. That's like NBA media and other guys across the country talking about Jordy and what he can bring to a team. So um, him being on is one thing, but yeah, Jay Triano is a guy who also has been around for a long time. And I definitely wouldn't doubt um, someone coming and knocking on that door as well. So that's also another good take. I think Chris. Jordy's going to have his pick of where he wants to go. I feel like there are going to be multiple teams that are giving him an offer and he's going to get to choose this offseason. My question is to kind of, kind of to your point, Chris, does Jordy pick his lead assistant from the Sacramento Kings current coaching rotation? And is it Jay Triano or are you taking Luke Louts? Are you, are you plucking another elite assistant from the Sacramento Kings coaching staff? 
that. I was not considering that. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. I can only take so many losses at once. But that's an excellent point. I mean, because that's that's a very very real thing. I mean, coaches leave and then they they pick from the guys that they know, and a lot of the guys they know are going to be guys from Mike Brown's staff. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Sackyard. So excited to have the Sackyard Community Tap House on board, my first ever local sponsor, and to join me all season long. Sackyard is an absolutely incredible place for you to take your family, for you to go with your friends, for you to watch a Kings game. They have the most delicious beers on tap that you could possibly find. In addition to that, also a, a, a plethora of some of the best local wines that you could possibly uh, fine too. And Sack Yard is all over the community. You can find them uh, sponsoring Sack, uh, Sack State football games. They're very much ingrained in the Sacramento Kings scene as well. One of the best places to go and watch Kings basketball games. And if you're familiar with Sack Yard, hopefully you got the opportunity to go and watch the playoffs at Sack Yard last year because they were incredible. They have so many TVs, an amazing outdoor patio that also includes an area for lawn games and a stage where they have all sorts of live shows and music. And, and things like that. It's a perfect place to bring your family, and that includes your fluffy family members. Yes, dogs are not only welcome, they are encouraged uh, at Sackyard. Amazing place for you to go uh, and spend your time, and I'm so blessed to have them as a first sponsor because not only are they a great community partner with the Locked on Kings podcast, they're going to provide us all with opportunities to do watch parties this year and we're already working uh in a very near future pretty early on in the season working on a, a a king's road game that we can get together myself included and go and watch the game together and enjoy that community that way and i'm already working on a uh, a live show that i'm going to be doing from sackyard this season and i have two guests for that that are telling me they want to do it and they're ready to do it. Uh, hopefully our, our schedules work out so it can be possible. But if we're able to pull this off, it's going to be an incredible live show that we're going to be able to uh, to do at Sackyard. So new opportunities this season only made possible by Sackyard. Go and watch Kings games get there. Go and uh, get some drinks. Enjoy the festivities. Bring your family and have a great time. I'm so excited to have Sackyard Community Tap House as a sponsor here of Locked on Kings. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Look, right now, it's the perfect time to snap into the NFL action on America's number one sportsbook because new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So all you have to do is invest $5 of your own money, right? Put $5 down and bet on spreads or player props or over-unders or whatever you want to bet on. doesn't matter. Put $5 down. If you win, congratulations, you're already making money. And here's $200 in bonus bets on top of that for you to keep making money. If you lose, you got an insurance policy, right? Oh, okay, you're down $5, but here's $200 dollars for you to make that five dollars back and then some if you're thinking about joining FanDuel right now is the perfect time to get in on the action and it's not just of course NFL action once the NBA season gets going FanDuel is perfect for your hoops as well so visit FanDuel.com slash locked on kick off the NFL season FanDuel official partner of the NFL all right, let's go to the hot takes and I'll start with my hot take and this shouldn't surprise too many people because it involves Keegan Murray I think building off of what Frankie said for his mild take with Keegan becoming that, that second leading scorer, I think Keegan Murray will win most improved player this year. I think he's going to make such a sizable jump with the Sacramento Kings also being an established team that the NBA is going to have that kind of conundrum of, well, this team has to win some awards, but they're not going to win coach of the year again. They're not going to win general manager of the year again. Okay, Keegan Murray exploded. All right, most improved player. Let's give Keegan Murray that award. So I think Keegan is going to be major in the running for that 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 spot this year that'd yeah. be interesting that'd be interesting and brendan and i were actually having this conversation a day or two ago about how we we don't think there'll be any accolades for the kings this year i mean mm. I, I don't know i mean as far as maybe if darren will be the an all-star again i think he, he should be i think if damian lillard is is no longer in the west and that spot is there darren already has one he should keep it i think that's the way all-stars all-star games usually work in appearances if you're in usually you retain it if you're healthy and you're still playing well um, but I don't know about any other accolades. I mean, I don't think Mike Brown will be back to back coach of the year. I'm not sure if that's ever happened before. Um, I don't know about rookie. I mean, I'm, I'm still, well, we'll see, you know, I'm starting to kind of think some all rookie stuff could happen. If, if some things start taking off here, um, choo -choo. about someone I'll, I'm going to mention in a few minutes here, but, uh, yeah, I can see Chris doesn't like it already, but wow. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we can get to that in a second. If you want. But yeah, yeah I, I definitely think that King and Murray can be in the mix for most improved. I like it. 
I got right. mad. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Frankie, you're already you're already moving on, I guess, to this one, which is it is about Colby Jones, shocking. and I can tell. I have, actually I didn't get to hear your your thoughts on Colby Jones today, Chris. So I'm interested to hear them after For after sure. uh, after this. But I do have my hot take, and it is that Colby Jones enters the starting shooting guard conversation by December. Oof. That's pretty I'm, spicy. Can I that state my? I'm proud spicy. of you. That feels I'm proud spicy. of you, Frankie, let for me, that because that that's that's you that going spicy. on a limb, Frankie. I'm let proud me state of that. my case. Let me state please. my case. When Mike yeah, Brown gets excited about a player, it's very it it means something. And his quotes, Ocala. yes. <laughs> and that man <laughs> started. That man opened last year as a starting power slash small forward yes, on a soon to be playoff team. And the Kings would go on for sure. There's, I'm sure. But the fact that Mike Brown made those comments last night and he really was kind of just, you know, it was like googly eyes over him. And and the fact that Colby is a two-way player, he can handle the basketball, which I think that's a part of his game. I didn't really look at too much. But again, you look at his numbers at Xavier or Xavier. I'm not sure how to say that. Is it Xavier? I believe it's Xavier. 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 He was an assist guy. He was, I think, four and a half assists per game. He is someone that can initiate the offense. And I feel like that's very important. I think right now, Colby's more of a guy that's in the mix. Honestly, if Davion shot does not carry over, I think we could see Colby kind of running the offense if Davion shooting 15% from, from three in December or whatever. But um, I do feel like the Kevin Herter riding is on the wall at this point. I do think if he isn't coming out and he's knocking down threes at a consistent rate and he's able to, to hold his own on the defensive end, and we've seen him struggle last night. It was a very tough start for him in and, and that game on both ends of the floor. I think Colby Jones is an ideal fit as far as what he brings in the defensive end he can shoot the basketball um he hustles he cuts out the basketball mike brown said he's probably the best off ball cutter he that this team has so i feel like if he comes out there and, and he looks ready and he seems like he is ready we could kind of start seeing some lineup tinkering and that's all taking like chris duarte of course if he can be you know what colby I'm saying Colby can be because that's kind of what the Kings are looking at. Chris Duarte as a guy that can play defense because um, he's six foot six. He can guard multiple positions. He can knock down threes. If Chris Duarte is healthy and he's performing well, then yeah, this this is you know a moot um, prediction. But I do just I have that feeling in the back of my head that we could be seeing some Colby Jones starting or at least heavy rotation minutes in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I've I've really liked Colby. I've I've been incredibly impressed, especially these last two games with just he, what he's been able to put together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally just feel like he's got he's got a long list of people in front of him that he's going to have to work through, and that you just kind of went through. I mean, it it is still going to take um, Kevin Herter struggling throughout the regular season. I think Mike Brown's going to give him a a good chance to kind of work through his shooting slump that he's going through right now. Uh, and then, you know, Malik Monk, it doesn't seem like Mike Brown is ever going to start him, uh, put him into that starting rotation. He really <laughs> likes him coming off the bench. And then Chris Duarte, you know, Duarte, I think, is is pretty much everything that you described for Colby Jones. It's just he's got a little bit more experience. And so I feel like coaches will always heavily lean towards uh, guys that they know what they're going to get than Colby Jones, who has had some really good performances these last couple of games, but you just can't factor in the inconsistency that you'll get from rookies. And I, I definitely think if, if you were to extend it to by the end of the season, I, I could definitely see a world um, where Colby Jones is, is a member of this rotation for sure. But uh, by December is just a little bit too soon for me. And I, I just think he's got a lot of, a lot of people higher up in the pecking order that he's got to, kind of break through and also those guys kind of have to fall down in order for Colby to get significant rotation minutes anytime soon. But his play these past couple of games has definitely opened that door of possibility because I think before that it was really just, Hey, this is a two way Stockton guy who we hope can maybe be something in the future. But he, he, to your point to what I think you're really getting at, he looks like he's ready to contribute right here, right now. You heard it here first. Frankie Cardicelli hates fellow New York Yankee fan Kevin Herter. Uh, I am that's, not. That's, that's, that's exactly. Like, hey right. man, that, that's what that I go, took away from that. That that goes for some of the people that are you know you hear the same thing, Matt. Oh, saying that you know people that grew up fans can't be, you know, objective. I, mean, I can be. <laughs> we can be objective. I mean, he's he's got to pick it up on the defensive end. I think we all agree that that was a huge problem in the playoffs. Yep. And I, I I love what Kevin brings on offense. I hope he can figure it out. But. Um, there's just something missing with the Kings right now and, and that two-way versatility and those guys that can play both ends of the floor, they need guys like that. So if it, whether it's Kevin or somebody else, someone's got to step in at some point. 
See, what you said right there, I think, is the key, the two-way versatility. And that's why I think Colby Jones is showing that he's perfect for exactly what the Kings were looking for from their depth, which is a two-way guy that can come in and provide energy on both sides of the ball. Like, I, I think Colby Jones is forcing Mike Brown to consider finding a way to work him into the everyday rotation. But I think Colby Jones touching the starting lineup is uh, is is pretty far off for a lot of the reasons that Chris laid out with the amount of guys that are ahead of him and in front of him. But, I, I mean, I think Colby's putting a lot of pressure on Chris Duarte to deliver right away. If Chris Duarte is part of the everyday rotation, Chris, you better be ready to go and provide that two-way presence that the Kings need. Because yeah. if not, here's this rookie on the back burner. And then that pressure kind of extends to Kevin Herter a little bit because let's say Kevin falls out of that starting spot and Duarte replaces him. Well, if Kevin's coming off the bench and still only providing scoring, here's this two-way rookie that's over here like, I can still give it to you in the 15 minutes a night that you're trying to play me. So yeah. uh, I, I think ultimately the best thing that Colby Jones is doing is making Mike Brown's job difficult. And that's all you can ask out of a rookie, let alone a second round pick. People forget yeah. he's a second rounder. And last comment on this before we have to move on. But I, I, again, hence the hot take, I think it makes more sense for this to be a, like Chris said, if it was later in the season, I do think that's, it is more realistic, but I'm more thinking of the fact of or the, the the mindset of if the Kings are struggling early in the season and they're trying to find something to, to change things up. And I hope that doesn't happen, but that's hence the hot take. But my last comment on Colby is I do feel strongly that long term, he is a guy that could be help, very helpful to this team unless they try to involve him in a deal to to upgrade the roster else in other ways. But um, he is the exact guy. And again, it proves that Monty McNair does not mess around when it's when it's June and it's NBA draft time. All right, Chris, hit us with your hot take. For sure. Uh, let's see. I got to pick between two of them. Let's do – we already just kind of talked about the shooting guard, so I'll skip on this one. Uh, let's say this one feels like it could be borderline mild, but I'll, I'll throw it in this this hot range. Uh, Kings will definitively make a big trade by the trade deadline. Mm. Uh, of course, February is is uh, when the NBA trade deadline is. Uh, some of the bigger contracts that they have uh, that they can move on from HB obviously just signed a, a new deal. He'll be making around 17 mil a year. Can't move on from him until after January when like the recently signed ex whatever. There's like a deadline where you can't trade people who you just signed. In the is it January? Is it January I or December? So yeah. Um, and Kevin Herter's making 15 mil, Malik Monk expiring contract, $9 million. Uh, I just think that this is more, I don't know if it has to happen this year, but just for the sake of this, I, I think it opens up the conversation of, to me, this is more pointing at, I don't think this Sacramento Kings team, this current group of guys is necessarily one that's going to make a ton of noise in the playoffs. Like, could this, mm. could this team make it out of the first round? Definitely. We saw that last year they probably should have. If they didn't go against Golden State, I would have argued they probably definitely would have made uh, the second round. But can they get past that? Can uh, Is this team even capable of making the conference title? Is it anywhere near a, an actual NBA title contention? I don't think so, and I think that they're still kind of waiting on that third star. Now, it could be Keegan Murray. If Keegan develops throughout this year, maybe this doesn't become as important and, and that maybe they can continue to kick the can down the line. But I think with a super competitive Western Conference this year, I think it's going to be a lot of teams kind of in the same category, in the same tier. There's a possibility that the Kings, if they're in that, in that muck, they can see a trade where who knows, you know, stars become available all the time. Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young, obviously James Harden's available now. Paul George becomes available. There's so many different options. But if 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 DeMar DeRozan becomes available, there's so many different routes. That was a name I was gonna think I was go. thinking of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they want to take this thing to another level and they want to say, hey, we're, we're kind of in the mud right now, stuck, can't really differentiate ourselves from the Lakers, the Warriors, the whoever you want to throw out there, OKC, do they look and say the landscape's kind of open? We have a possible opportunity to hop on when there's not really one clear dominant team in this Western Conference Let's go for it. Let's move HB. Let's move on from Kevin Herter, who we just discussed is having some possible rotational issues. 
I think that th- that this could be a really good time for this team to try and hop on an opportunity here. Now, the question will be, obviously, the deadline's in February. Where do they stand at that point in time? Where's the health at? Do they uh, d- Does a need become very apparent? Is is the big man situation something that, that kind of needs to be addressed? We don't know that yet, but it just feels like if this team wants to, where they're at right now is totally fine. They're in the conversation of being a playoff. Some people have them in the play-in conversation. Regardless, they're not not in those conversations. Um, will they? Will they look for now to be the time to strike? I don't think so, but but it would not surprise me if someone becomes available and Monty McNair just jumps on that opportunity like he did with the Monty Sabonis. I'm going to throw one more name into the mix. I don't think we're done hearing the Sacramento Kings pursuit of OG Ananobi. Oh, goodness. Can we please Get can we please be done with it? I don't think we're I, done. I can't with Masai. I can't. I don't think we're he, done. He's what is it? The the um Dave Chappelle holding on to the money. Like that's what he's doing with with Siakam and OG. He won't trade any of those guys, man. But I don't I, think I, the Raptors are gonna be very good. And I think we're also gonna get to a crossroads again where the Kings are like, look, the best thing you're gonna get is this player, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and draft compensation. Take I agree. It it. I, I think agree, the Kings but... are gonna if there's a player that they go aggressively after the trade deadline, I feel like if the 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 best odds are OG. I mean, he, he'd be like a dream addition. I mean, a guy that can defend, you know, I think three through some small ball five guys, and then you have him the ability to score on offense. I mean, that's, and he's young. He fits the timeline. I mean, it's that's perfectly. He's literally but everything you want. Impending free agent, I believe. So mm-hmm. is Siakam. Yeah, you would have um, to sign him. You would have to lock oh, him down long term, which is the that's fear. The only, yeah, that's the only scary thing. And I never know how those behind the scenes negotiations go as far as are you down to sign an extension once you get here? And, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I feel like a year ago people would say Sacramento, like hell no, but now it's probably like, yeah, absolutely. So maybe, but probably not because Messiah's holding on to those guys very tightly. I'm gonna throw in my extra take here. Uh, my other one that I was gonna possibly go to, uh, but didn't because we already talked about the shooting guards. Malik Monk, full time starter by the end of the year. Ooh. Contract. I think uh, I think Malik, when he's heading into this offseason, I think he's going to prioritize himself, rightfully so. He only makes $9 million. He can definitely make more than that. He's been coming off the bench for Mike Brown. Like I said earlier, doesn't seem like that's changing anytime soon. I think Malik is going to have to look after himself this offseason. He's going to look for a long contract and someone who's going to guarantee him a role. If the Kings can't give it to him, it's been fun playing with his best friend, but he's going to have to move on. So I could see a situation where – you know, sometimes front offices and, and coaching staff have to come together. And it wouldn't surprise me if if Kevin Herter struggles or, or if they can't find an answer at shooting guard or if Malik is just having a great career uh, contract year, they might throw him in and, and say, look, man, like we 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 don't pigeonhole you into being a six man. We think that you can be a part of this actual core moving forward. So wouldn't surprise me if Malik enters the starting lineup, mainly for that reason. Two things on that. Number one, Malik is absolutely getting paid this summer by somebody, and I hope it's Sacramento. Number two, I still think the role that Malik is in is perfect for what the Sacramento Kings are doing, but it had to, like the Kings needed Malik in that role last season out of necessity because Davion Mitchell was not running the offense the way that they needed to with that second unit, and Chris Duarte slash Colby Jones were not here. Now that you have those guys in uh, in position and, and uh, specifically Davion seems to be playing better and fitting better on, on as the leader of that second unit. I don't think it's out of left field for Malik to, uh, to, to step his way into the starting lineup. I think it would take some soul searching from Mike Brown to ultimately make that decision. But last year to this year, the depth I think allows for that move to be possible. It, it seems like the easy solution, right? I mean, we talked just about the Colby thing and who could be the two. It's like, well, Malik and De'Aaron always play great together. And also they're, their best friends that played in Kentucky. They come up together to be, you know, De'Aaron's a star and Malik is someone who could be in the six man conversation. And that's the easy conversation right there is okay. Slide Malik up and they're going to play. Obviously they'll open and end games because Malik already is the closer. He comes out with De'Aaron and he's the other guard next to De'Aaron more times than not. So, and again, that's something Mike Brown always points at. He's like, I don't under, yeah, it's always the guys that finish games is most important to me, but I do think there's something that is important to starting off games on the right the right note, and we've seen the Kings fall behind early so many times. They've, they've fallen behind. I think last year that was always kind of, you know, the storyline is Kings fell behind early, but they, they figured it out. Well, hopefully this year they can come out and bring the hammer down and jump out to leads. And I think Malik and De'Aaron 
opening games up as a very enticing uh, option. What do you guys think? Uh, we've just kind of been circling this conversation for a while, but let's just get like, what does it look like if Kevin Herter is coming off the bench? Because that that's that's the thing I can't get out of my mind is just if he's just going to be a shooter that's coming off the bench, that's not very valuable. You can you, you know you can find Terrence Davis's to do that and not pay him fifteen million dollars a year. Kevin Herter was brought here to be a starter and to be a part of this team moving forward. And we've had a lot of conversations about other people entering that starting lineup for him. So it just it really is getting me more towards to my earlier point of a big trade happening. I just don't know where Kevin Herter fits on this team if he's not in that starting lineup. Well, if, if Kevin's coming off the bench, he has to be a flamethrower. I mean, he has to yeah, be that right. guy that, that right. comes in for you and rat, he helps rattle off a 9-0 run. If the starters got off to a rough start, he helps get you right back into the game. If the starters got off to a good start, he helps extend or maintain that lead just from his his presence. A lot. Like He just has to be ready to go offensively, and then you accept what it is on the defensive end of the floor. But I'll say this. I agree with you, Chris, in the sense that I'm not as low on Kevin Herter as some other people are. I'm not saying you guys. I think he's been in his own head since the playoffs, and yep. I think the the focus on the defensive side of things has something to do with that, and hopefully he can work his way out of it, and maybe he just needs to see some shots fall and get back into his rhythm of a regular season to get through that. But I'll say this. If Kevin Herter loses his starting spot, I think it's only a matter of time before the Kings move on from him because there are yeah. other options that make more sense coming off the bench, those two-way guys that Monty is looking for. And he's a very good system player. I mean, if he if he is moved out of that role because his defense is lacking that much and the Kings do have Chris Duarte, if he looks good, they have Colby Jones, if he looks like he's going to be a guy, at least maybe not by this year to be in a starting lineup, but maybe in the future, if he's a guy they think can be a, a partner for De'Aaron Fox there in the, in the rotation, uh, I think his contract and the fact that he's a guy that can really fit anywhere. I, I could see Kevin Herter fitting in Philly or or the Boston's or any contender, right. really. The Phoenix is like teams will want to go for him because he mm -hmm. is a flamethrower when he's on and uh, a guy that can play well off ball. And um, that's kind of what he's been doing the whole time. But if he's in a bench role in the Kings like that, I mean, is he playing the three? Like if, if Duarte were to, you know, be the starting two, is Kevin Herter your backup small forward? I mean, I just don't know how that really looks. And that's also something the Kings probably need to, to find stability at as well. They still don't really have a true backup small forward. Chris Duarte is a guy that he's six, six and can play the three, but I mean, I think he's been more of a shooting guard in his career so far, but um, yeah, I mean, most ideal would be Kevin Herter picks it up on the defensive end and shoots the ball. Well, and the Kings can just go, you know, nothing, nothing to see here, but um, easier said than done. Yeah, and for the record, I'm riding with Kevin. I think Kevin's going to start 60 plus games for the Kings this year. I think he'll figure it out because he was so valuable for the Kings last season when he was on. And and the way Mike Brown likes to stagger his lineups, I don't think it's going to look as bad as it did look in the preseason when he was doing more hockey kind of shift changes. But we'll see. Kevin has still a lot to prove, especially with the expectation of the Kings. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Look, there's so much that happens in our world, like whether it's the broad, like the unrest in the Middle East or the fires that happen in Hawaii or hurricanes and tornadoes in Florida. We even had like a minor uh, earthquake in Sacramento this past week. Things happen all the time, whether it's major scale or even small scale, right? Getting sick, loved ones coming down with a bug that that you thought might have just been the common cold that gets, gets just worse and worse and worse. Ultimately, you want to be prepared for whatever life throws at you. That's why the Jace case is so important for you to have. It's a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Look, God forbid you have to deal with anything like that, right? But if you do, a lot of our reactions is, hey, we're going to go to the hospital or go to the emergency room or whatever and get the care that we need. But we've all experienced those emergency room waiting times and, and things like that, plus the hassle and the stress and the cost of emergency rooms. Why go through all that trouble when the Jace case can give you exactly what you need right there at home for you to treat yourself and take care of yourself and ultimately take care of your family. Don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. So go to jacemedical.com right now and enter code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jace, J A S E medical.com. Chris, why don't we keep this ball rolling? You've uh, you've right. you've rattled off a couple hot takes. Why don't you hit us with your spicy take to to start to wrap this up? 
man, I've got some good spices, and I'm trying to think which one I'd, I'd like the most. Let's do, you know what? Let's let's do the spiciest one. Why not? Hell yeah. Hell we're, yeah. we're going ghost pepper here. Uh, man, I don't even know if this math is going to math correctly, but <laughs> the Sacramento Kings this season, uh, we're, we're talking about just a surplus of shooters. Again, Kevin Herter is almost expendable. We're getting to that point. I'm saying the Kings are going to have four players this season that shoot over 40% from three. Whoa. And those players throwers. are going to be Keegan Murray, Sasha Vizankov, Kevin Herter, and how about this one, Harrison Barnes, all shooting Ooh. above 40% from three. So here's what I like about this, and I, I noticed this in the Golden State Warriors game too. Because of the weapons that the Kings have, Fox and Sabonis specifically, and even you can throw Murray into this conversation, but – like the amount of good shooters that the Sacramento Kings have, no team in their right mind would leave them as open as they get open in Sacramento just yep. because of Fox and Sabonis in their presence. Like Keegan Murray was torching Golden State on Sunday and he was still getting wide open looks from the perimeter because rotations and help defense on Fox and Sabonis. So I like this from Chris because I still think the Kings best shooters are going to get a ton of wide open looks. No, I, I love it. I love it. I'm curious how much Sasha is going to play and how much opportunity he's going to get. I mean, I feel like when he is on the floor, the shots will fall. I mean, it's kind of interesting. We haven't really talked about Sasha much. Yeah, unless you have one on that, on a mat. My, my next one's not about Sasha, but um, I, I was surprised looking back at the, the Kings numbers from last year. And HB, I think he was 37% from three, and Kevin was over 40, Keegan's over 40. So Chris isn't that far off. I mean, that that is a, a very good uh, a very good bet that happens this year. But uh, I wonder what the kind of volume Sasha's going to be dealing with. Because right now, I feel like he probably isn't in the opening night rotation. But... Volume don't that, matter that, for percentage, baby. That's right. He could take what he could go four of ten this low year. Low volume is probably better for my prediction. Four of ten. You, you just need yeah. four of ten. That's all, right, all Frankie. Give need. us some spice. All right, spicy. Chris kind of. I mean, already kind of hinted at what mine's going to be, but my spicy take is that one or both of Davion Mitchell and Kevin Herter will not be on the Kings at the end of the season. Wow. I do think this is the year. I think this is the year the Kings are going to make a big trade. They they have this core. They have what they they think is a contending team. I think they're about a piece short. And I do think that they have some good assets. They have some draft collateral they could use. They have some tradable contracts. And they have guys like Davion Mitchell, who's on a restricted contract. I think that's a lot of value for some teams because you can have him for the next you know, six, seven, eight years, however long you, you want to sign him. And then you also have Kevin Herter, who I think has two more years after this year on his contract for an affordable rate. So when you look at that, I think teams will be more inclined to make a move for for those players, one one or both of those players versus Harrison Barnes. Um, I mean, if it, the money works out, they could go for HB, but just the fact that there's three years on his contract versus two on, on Kevin might make it the, the move. But um, I just feel like if you're looking at how the Kings can make a big trade, I don't know how it happens without one of those players or Keegan Murray, and I do not think Keegan Murray is getting traded. So that's who I think. I'm trying to wrap my brain around what would have to happen for the Kings to feel comfortable moving on from Davion. Like you would have to be so secure in De'Aaron as a top tier perimeter defender or that Davy or uh, Chris Duarte and Colby Jones can kind of fill that void because I think. Or you trade for one like OG. If you trade yeah. for a defender, if you bring in defense, True. then, you know, defense for defense. I mean, it's it's just a little more offense maybe, but sorry, go on. No, that's it. Just stay in my I case. mean, yeah, and you would definitely have to be getting some sort of backup point guard in return as well, mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, it could be someone like DeLon Wright or something like that. But you yeah. would definitely need somebody else to be a backup playmaker because Malik is is definitely the backup playmaker right now. But you still kind of need somebody to, to fill in that role if you are going to move on from Davion. And a true I, point I, guard. Yeah, I feel like Herder's probably the more likely just because of the dollar figure. Like Davion, I believe, is still on his, his rookie deal. Yep. Um, so he's not he's not making anything significant enough to have him as like the the main person in a trade. But right. I definitely agree. I mean, I, I have a tough time seeing us going into next year. I say us, the Kings going into next year um, with one or both of those guys on the roster just because it feels like, again, if the Kings are going to want to take a, another leap and get into a different category, a different uh, tier of teams, they're going to have to look to improve at one of those two spots. All right, I'll finish with the spice. And I just kind of hinted at this in, in what I just said, but my spicy take is that De'Aaron Fox is going to make an all-defensive team this year. I think but, wow. that 
that has been a challenge of Mike Brown directly to Fox. Mike said it after last season that he thinks De'Aaron is capable of that being that quality of a defender. And it it's going to take De'Aaron. He, he talked about like the best players in the world. And again, he's coached Kobe. He's coached LeBron. He's coached Steph. He's coached with some of the, the, the best players in, in this generation or the past generation of basketball. So he knows this like, the best players in the world can turn it on and keep it on all the time. And that is his challenge for De'Aaron Fox this year. And that goes on both ends of the floor. We know Fox can light it up on the offensive side of the ball anytime he wants to. And I do think there's going to be an increase in points per game from Fox this season naturally. But if Mike's challenge to this team is truly improve on the defensive end and Fox likes to be coached as much as he claims he does and shows that he does from last season with Mike Brown, I think Mike is going to demand excellence from Fox on the defensive side of the ball. And he has the ability to be such a pest defensively that he can work himself into the all NBA defensive conversation. Can I say that? I don't like this. Okay. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I just don't see it. I mean, I, I just think that like De'Aaron would have to be somewhere near like, especially for it to be noticed as a, as a like defensive stalwart, he would have to be two plus steals a game. He's, been at like one and a half i think is his, his most in his career um it would also take like a really big narrative push as well like you you mentioned mike brown has been talking up De'Aaron's defense a lot but um you know a big part of of being a defensive guy not a lot of people look at the defensive end of the floor mm-hmm. it's either gonna have to be stats or essentially propaganda to get you into a defensive you know all defensive team conversation and you know, I just frankly think De'Aaron does too much on the offensive end to really ever care for 82 games about defense. That's Especially very- when like Marcus Smart is going to get 25 starts probably in, in, in Memphis. Like there's going to be so many other guys that are more focused on defense. Drew Holiday yeah. still exists. Drew Holiday. Yeah. And like, let me go ahead and say like last year was the most engaged and consistent that I think we've ever seen De'Aaron Fox play defense. So I want to just give him his flowers real quick that he definitely bought into that into the floor and he improved. And he's also a guy, which I'm surprised to see. He's, he's almost a one and a half steals per game for his career guy. He definitely is a guy that picks up steals. Um, obviously at the beginning of his career, it was more, you know, when he really wanted to buy in and, and some anticipation defense there, but last year was a lot of on ball defense. And um, I really want to give him credit for that. But yeah, I think just the fact that it's so deep, uh, the leagues, the NBA is so deep with guards that can play defense that, um, I mean, crazy, crazy things can happen. I'm sure crazier things have happened. I'm sure that if some injuries happen or things go the right way, De'Aaron could maybe even get some votes. I feel like him getting some votes would be a start or getting you know a decent amount of votes would be a start. But I like that. I like the hot. That's a hot, uh, spicy hot that's take. Spicy that's a take. very spicy, very spicy meatball, sir. You would also probably narrow- require the Kings to be like not 24th in defensive rating. Correct. Correct. It would require the, the Kings that- to be a, a significantly better defensive team that's improved. And then the league goes, okay, where did it start? Oh, right. look at what the exactly. Aaron Fox is doing. And if you yeah. want a narrative too, I'll tell you the narrative that Fox started last season that I will push to the freaking moon. This top guard is not guarding De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter, but De'Aaron Fox is guarding their top guard in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Fox pointed that yeah. out last year and it continues to be true. Yeah, I mean, Warriors put Draymond on Fox, I think, in game four or five, or a couple of times, I think, down the stretch in those final three, four games, they put Draymond on Fox. So, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's a different beast with Fox. He's having to do, I mean, I don't know, man. They, they push their, themselves the limit, and he is a guy that gets the full force of opposing teams' defenses, for sure. All right, real quick, because, Chris, I know you probably have another extra spicy in the chamber, so rattle more. it off. Oh, hit him <laughs> rapid fire with us. I want to hear All right. these. This one's easy. Kings will win the in-season tournament. They're just going to care more. They're I like that. Me. Yeah. This, I don't even know if it's spicy. I feel like I thought about that one. I feel like a I lot like of people that. have thought about it. You know, younger team. They haven't really done anything in terms of accomplishments. They haven't won any NBA titles. They've never made a conference finals. They need to kind of have something on their resume that that you know you can point to and say, "Hey, look, you guys have done this. Why can't you do this uh, moving forward?" So I think winning the in-season tournament's a big one. Vegas round two for us three, huh? Vegas Let's round two. Oh, Let's ride. December Vegas. Come on. There's no better time. We'll see at the uh, tables, Matt. We'll see at the tables. <laughs> Not 24, a there. Black Brent 13, boy. No, I ain't going. <laughs> 
my other one, uh, my other spicy take is the Kings will sweep the Golden State Warriors in the regular season. I Ooh. love this one. I love this one. And I was thinking the exact same thing. I love this one. Hell yes, Chris Watkins. Yeah. Man. It's cute. I mean, they got the preseason revenge on their mind. sweep. That's cute. You get the preseason sweep. That. That's fine. So cute. Is Chris, that's all like night night one. in the preseason? Every single Kings Warriors game is going to decide be decided by two or less points, right? Like it's just it's going to happen. Like there's no way those two teams blowout. can't go down to the freaking oh four for four Kings blowouts. Wow. I love it. I'm not, I'm not I love it. predicting that. Part. It just not feels that. like it has to happen that way though. Every time these two teams play, it's just a requirement to go down to the wire. Yeah, last year the Kings and Warriors played in four regular season games, and I believe if you take away the last one, the Kings didn't play anybody. The point differential was four. I'm looking at here. I think it was four points. So yeah, I, I do think it'd be great, Chris. That's my favorite one. If the Kings can sweep the Warriors and kind of just oh. take the baton from them and say, we're, we're officially, you know, we're passing you guys up. You have Chris Paul. Sit down, 40. old man. Yeah, you're 40-year-old you're men, and we are moving on to the next I round will here. forever contest that the Kings were the better team in last year's playoffs, and they lost it for themselves. I mean, the Kings shot like absolute garbage that entire playoff series and definitely hats off to the Warriors. They played their part in that, but I mean, they look, there was only, what was that game four where it was 126 to 125. That was really the only game that the Kings looked like the Kings that I had seen all season long. Besides that, they were missing shots. Obviously Kevin Herter wasn't himself. Demonis Sabonis wasn't himself. I think the Kings were the better team and they just were unexperienced and didn't really know how to handle uh, a series against a team like that. I feel like they were the better team last year. I don't think Golden State got better talent-wise this year. I think Chris Paul is a different look. Um, it, it might lead to to a better locker room, a better culture, maybe better success in the playoffs. But I, I don't think that the that the Warriors are a better team than the Kings. And I think with the Kings obviously having the Warriors at the front of their minds, I think that they're going to use all of those games as statement games, especially these first two. Yep, they're going to have yep. a chance to prove it right away. Two of the first four games of the season, one in Sacramento, one in Golden State. The NBA is trying to push this rivalry, and it indeed is a rivalry no matter what Dub Nation tries to claim. Well, guys, this is fun every year. I love doing it every year. Thank you so much. Brought to you by Taco Bell. Hopefully, maybe yes. I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, dude, yes. Absolutely. Chris, Frankie, you guys are amazing. Keep up the amazing work that you're doing at, at Sacktown Sports. Of course, Frankie, uh, the, the the Sacktown Sports Kings insider and writer. And then Chris Watkins, the first full season on the radio with your uh, your midday show, uh, which is amazing. Can't wait to follow that all season long, too. It's going to be Alvin a good Watkins, year, boys. October 26th, debut. Tune Let's in. enjoy it. It's like, the, it's like the opener before the opener. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. It's all right, guys. It's gonna be thank great. you so much for doing this. Let's do it again next year. Yes, sir. Thanks, same man. time, same place. Big thank you again to Frankie and Chris for joining me here. And we're very interested in seeing and hearing your mild, hot, and spicy predictions for the Sacramento Kings season. So remember to send them to us. And if you want to respond to any of the predictions that, that we rattle off, feel free to do that as well. Love doing that with them. Can't wait to do it again next year. Appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. I'm going to be heading to Utah very, very soon. Should have one podcast before I actually head out to Salt Lake City for the season opener. Uh, but of course, I'll have content from Salt Lake for you. Uh, and then I'll head back to Sacramento. We'll get ready for Friday's home opener against the Golden State Warriors. So Kings basketball is here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get excited and let's get fired up. And of course, I'll have you covered all season long and soon all post season long with all the Kings content that you could possibly want. Appreciate you. Can't wait to have you join me again very soon. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.